A lot of good stuff going on. Amen? Sister Rosalie shared a testimony. I'll just share it with them as well. She said, uh, last week, you know, I, I prayed, and I pray that as the Word goes forth, God confirms His Word with signs following. And Sister Rosalie shared with us last week, about halfway through the sermon, said that her back had been hurting her for how long? Last, she, you know, she'd had a couple of days that her back was just in extreme pain. And said about halfway through the sermon, said she just felt healing come in her body, and her back, her back felt fine, and she received healing in her body. So, amen. Don't limit God. Amen. There's benefits to coming expecting, isn't there? There's a benefit to coming expecting that God's going to honor His Word and that He's going to cause signs to follow. Amen? There's a benefit. Praise God. Well, this week we want to, hopefully, we're going to conclude a series we started uh, three weeks ago called A Revelation of Christ. Yeah? Um, and so uh, the first week we just talked in general about the revelation of Christ, the, the, that He was the anointed one. Last week we talked... Uh, extensively about the anointed one and his anointing and that the fact that the anointing is, amen, the burden-removing, yoke-destroying, mountain-moving power of God. That's all, And we talked about how the same anointing that's on the head flows down to the body. How many of you all know that the Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the church? He's the, he's the head, and we're talking figuratively, uh, literally that's his position, but figuratively in the model of a body, he's the head. And we took you to that scripture in Psalms, what was it, 133, I believe, where it said that it talked about the anointing oil that was poured out upon uh, on the head and ran down the beard, Aaron's beard, and it ran all the way down to the edges of the garments. And the point that we brought to you out of that was is that the same anointing that's on the head flows down to the body. Notice it said it went all the way to the edges of the garments. Amen. If his garments touched his feet, then there was anointing on the feet too. So the significance there is it doesn't matter what your position is in, in the body. If you're a hand, if you're a shoulder, if you're in the torso, if you're in the legs, you know, what, whatever position you're at in the body, you still get the anointing that's on Jesus. Amen? And so we told you, I believe one week we told you, we're going to talk about and let you know more the benefits of the revelation. So this week I want to talk to you about the blessing of the revelation. Amen? How many of you all know that God's got good stuff? That if, all, if all living for God was just coming to church once a week and having a little little emotional release or an unemotional release, if that's all that it was, it wouldn't be of much significance. Wasn't Paul, Paul said in one of the scriptures, I believe over in Romans, he said, he said, if in this life only we had hope in Christ, we'd be of all men most miserable. Amen? But you understand that the very basis of him saying that, that you know, some people think that we can't expect nothing from God in this life, that it's all in the sweet by and by. But you understand just by him making that statement, he's making... The, you know, he, the opposite of what he's saying is, is that it's implied in his statement that there is a hope in this life. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we'd be of all men most miserable. He was really saying that if you don't have hope beyond death, then we'd be miserable no matter how good we had it. But don't miss what he's saying in the statement that you can have hope in Christ in this life. Amen? But you understand? So there's a benefit. The Bible says over in First or Second Timothy... It said, godliness is profitable in all things. You need to just realize, shake this mentality that living for God means I'm going to be poor as a church mouse, that I'm just barely going to scrape by in this life, but boy, when I get to heaven, I'm going to walk on streets of gold. Huh? Well, that's a fallacy anyway, because the new Jerusalem that the Bible talks about in Revelations that has the streets of gold, the Word says it's coming down from God out of heaven. Wonder how we missed, how the church has missed that for centuries. It doesn't say that I went up to heaven and I saw the city in heaven, the new Jerusalem in heaven. The new Jerusalem comes down from God out of heaven. 
Amen? But you understand that we, we, uh, we have a hope in this life. We have a hope. There is a benefit. The Bible, like I said, the Bible says that godliness is profitable in all things. Is it profitable in your finances? If we honor God with our finances, does the Word say that He'll rebuke the devourer, that He'll bless us? That if we honor the Lord with our substance, that our barns will be full and our, and our vats will be running over with new wine? Yes. Is godliness profitable in the area of our health? Amen? That if we honor God, if we present our bodies to Him a living sacrifice, and, and, when, and when there's sickness and when there's symptoms that come upon our body, if we'll believe the Word and speak the Word and talk to it, and not let it get you down. And, you, and, and we speak that thing and we fight it and we resist it. Amen? And it doesn't matter if you're resisting it or if you're walking. If it knocks you flat on your back, lay there and keep speaking the Word. I've shared this testimony before. I knew a fellow up in West Virginia that went in for an elective surgery and it went horribly wrong. And he, went in, he slipped into a coma and they shoved him in a recovery room and shoved him there and left him there to die. And he was talking, he was mumbling under his breath, and they thought he was talking out of his head. He's in a coma. He's not conscious at all. He's talking, he's mumbling under his breath, and the nurses think, well, he's delusional, he's dying, he's, he, he, you know, he's in the process of death. And you know, if you, any of you that had any medical training, they talk about the stages of death, and it's not uncommon for people to be delusional and talking out of their head. And they thought he was just talking out of his head and didn't give it any uh, thought. And, he, and, and one day, one of the nurses went by, and she was leaning over and heard him, and he was quoting healing scriptures. He was mumbling under his breath, but she heard him say, yeah, he was talking, by his stripes I'm healed. Amen. And he's quoting healing scriptures. Well, you know that just don't happen because he heard the sermon one time. You're feeding yourself. You're putting that in you. You're making sure you've got a steady diet of it. Amen. So is it profitable? Is godliness profitable when your, bo- when your body and your mind is even unconscious, but your spirit is alive to God and out, up out of your spirit, your spirit, man, the Bible says the strong spirit of a man will sustain him in his infirmity. Amen? And infirmity doesn't always necessarily mean sickness. It literally means weakness. It can, just, it can be a weakness. It can be, it can be any type of weakness, but certainly sickness can, be a type, can cause infirmity, right? Weakness in your body. So godliness is profitable. There is a blessing to having a revelation of Christ. Amen? And we want you to turn to Matthew chapter 16 again. We're going to take a look at our main text, what we've been looking at, teaching out of for the past three weeks. Matthew 16 starting with verse 13. Matthew 16, verse 13 says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And we told you, we mentioned this, that the most important question you'll answer in your life is, Who do you say that Jesus is? Amen? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But he said to them, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. We taught last week that Christ means the anointed one, the Messiah. You are the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Amen? And so we want to take a look at this week, particularly looking at verse 17. Once the disciples, and once Peter in particular, answered and said, You are the Christ, 
the Son of the living God. You are the Anointed One. You are the Messiah. You are the One that we've been looking for. You've been the One that Israel has been looking for as a Redeemer. Lord, You are the One that God prophesied back in the Garden of Eden would come and crush the head of the serpent. You are the Redeemer of mankind. That's who You are. That's who You are to me. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Now that word blessed, I'm telling you what, the more I study, the more I look at stuff, it is so good. Do you know just because you know how to use a word in its context properly does not mean you understand the meaning of the word. It means you understand how to use it. You know how to incorporate that word into a conversation and convey a, a general thought, but you don't always know what it means. There's, I, I'm going to get to one word here in a little bit. I'm going to show you, man, when I read the definition, it's a word you use every day probably. But when you read the definition, you're just like, whoo, glory to God, because it gives you further illumination about what you're talking about. But that, you understand the word blessed means to be favored or fortunate. Well, if you're blessed, you know, this is the thing. How many of you all know that it's within our power to bless someone? Isn't that what God said? God told Abraham, He said, I'll bless you and I'll make you a blessing. Now, the, the prerequisite to being able to bless someone is you have to be blessed yourself. I can't buy you dinner if I can't afford my own, can I? Amen. <laughs> I've said this before. I can't minister to you about peace in your home if I don't have any peace in my marriage. Amen. So you understand. But God, but we can bless someone. In other words, we can show favor and cause someone to be fortunate because we are disposed to do good things to them. Well, Jesus is saying, blessed are you, Simon Barger. Now, who was blessing Peter? God. Amen? God was blessing Peter. Because you understand this. Keep this proper perspective. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Jesus Christ is the Word, but Jesus Christ came to give glory to the Father and to do the will of the Father. It's always about the Father. Amen? Jesus said, when you pray, you pray to the Father. He didn't say, you pray to me. He didn't say you pray to the Holy Ghost. He said you pray to the Father because Jesus was the expressed will, the expressed will and expressed love of God to restore the relationship between man, to restore man back to his position of sonship. We got to that is the big picture. That is the big picture. Adam was a son of God. The Word says that. Adam was his son. Adam was his. He God created him, molded him out of the dust of the earth, and breathed the breath of life, which was the Holy Ghost. Make no mistake about it. Adam was a spirit-filled man, and he didn't have to be born again because his spirit was already alive. Because he he hadn't sinned. Sin's what caused death. The reason we need to be born again is because we were spiritually dead. Adam didn't need to be born again, just like Jesus didn't need to be born again. Jesus was born without sin. Amen. But you understand that Jesus came and His sole purpose was to restore the relationship there. Right? But God, Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. And Bar-Jonah just means son of. Blessed are you, Peter, son of Jonah. In other words, Peter's dad's name was Jonah. Blessed are you, favored and fortunate are you, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Amen? Turn to Ephesians chapter 4 real quick. We're going to take a look at this. Now, we've talked through Ephesians, and I'm just going to tell you what. Some of you might go, yeah, yeah, Pastor, I know this. I've heard this. You've said it several services. Some of you may not have heard it. Some of you may have been here and not heard it yet. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, 
that you should no longer walk as the rest of Gentiles walk or live their manner of life in the futility of their minds. And keep this in mind. Remember we said that word futility, it literally means the inutility, the inappropriate use of your mind. It said having their understanding darkened and being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now, understand this. Jesus told Peter, he said, you're blessed. You are blessed because you have received a revelation by the Spirit and not by your flesh. In other words, you didn't reason, you didn't use your reasoning to come to this conclusion, Peter. Amen? You understand this? The, The blessedness was, you're blessed because you've crossed over from operating just out of the soulish realm. Remember we said your soul is what? Your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions. Jesus is telling Peter, you are fortunate and favored by God because you have learned how to not just walk and operate out of your soulish realm. Amen? You understand that... Now, Peter wasn't born again yet and he wasn't spirit-filled, but you understand in the Old Testament and under the Old Covenant... People, the Holy Spirit would come upon people, the prophets, priests, and kings, the Holy Spirit would come upon them and would depart, but people could still get revelation from the Spirit, right? He could reveal things to them. He wasn't yet living in them, but He could reveal things. And Jesus said, you're favored and you're fortunate, Peter, because you've learned how to walk and to live your life in such a way that you don't just get stuff and operate out of your soulless realm. What you can, in other words, what you can come to the conclusion to in your mind. Because how many of you all know that you can have a problem and you can have a situation in your life that you're wrapping your mind around and you're struggling with and it affects your, it, it, it begins to, you can have, devote so much attention to it and wrestling with it in your mind that it disturbs your sleep pattern, that it disturbs your, your eating pattern. And usually it's one way or the other. Either you eat too much or, you, or you're not eating enough because different people react different. Some people will, some people will uh, you know, literally go days without eating hardly anything, and other people like eat everything in the house. They go to Walmart and they think it's a buffet. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. How many of you all know that we don't need to fall into either extreme? We don't need to fall into either extreme. And when we catch ourselves doing that, we need to realize, wait a minute, I'm allowing my soulish realm to, to dominate me, and I, and I need to pull it back over and I need to get in the spirit. I need to allow the Spirit to guide me. But you'll have those problems, and it'll consume you. Amen? And how many of you all know, really, that's a plot of the devil? That really is a plot. You can, and I'm going to tell you, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it here. Just, there are some battles you are not going to reason your way through. There are some circumstances that you can reason, and you can call all your smart buddies, and you can ask all your smart friends on Facebook what you need to do. And it might not do any good. Now, praise God, you might have someone that, that is very spiritual that the Holy Spirit can give a word to you because you know, the Holy Spirit can reveal things to you to someone through a gift of the Spirit in operation. But how many of you all know he'd rather just let you get it? There's a time when you're a kid that you ride a bicycle with training wheels. How many of you all know if you see a 35-year-old man riding down the street on a little, what is it, 12-inch bicycle? Is that what the kids are, their size is? 12-inch bicycle with training wheels on He's 35 years old. Something's wrong. Right? And so, and I'm not saying that gifts of the Spirit only manifest to help us when we're immature because the Bible says we are to covet them. We are. We can desire for the gifts of the Spirit to be manifested. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, what, chapter 12? Amen? That we can covet those things. 
We can covet them to happen. But how many of y'all know that it's good when I tell Clay to do something and he does it? That's good. But how many of y'all know that the ideal is, is that I train him and I teach him and I disciple him and he becomes so familiar with me as a father that when he gets in a circumstance when he's a teenager and there's the opportunity to, and the temptation to get into sin, number one, he's going to know his heavenly father, but that daddy's not there to, to tell him myself what, I, what I'd want him to do in this situation, but he just knows in his heart this is how I need to react. I just need to get out of this. I just need to get out of this situation. I just need to say, pull this car over right now and let me out and I will walk before I'll stay in this situation. Right? So what's the point? What I'm saying is, is that God will speak to us through other people giving us, but you understand that His desire is, is that you learn Him, you learn His ways, you learn His character, and that, to a point, and that you're sensitive to the voice of His Spirit, and that you don't always have to go to someone else to get the Word, that all you've got to do is quiet your mind and listen to your Spirit and get what He's telling you. Amen? And, that, and, this, is, and this is the thing. You know, and you notice uh, this verse said, this verse, said, verse 18 said, having their understandings darkened and being alienated from the life of God. You know that word alienated means cut off. In other words, because they're operating out of the inutility of their mind, they're, they're using their mind to try to discern things that are only spiritually discerned. And because they're doing that, they're cutting themselves off from the life of God because of their ignorance. Huh? What you don't know can kill you. What you don't know can kill you. Amen? So we're not to walk in the inutility of our, of our minds. Amen? Your mind has a purpose. But leaning too heavily on your reasoning, leaning too heavily on your reasoning will cause you sometimes to miss God. And sometimes it can be something little that in the grand scheme of things isn't that big. But sometimes it might be the difference between life and death. And that's why it's good for us to, to get to the point to where we hear the whisper where the Spirit don't have to shout at you. That you learn to be yielded to your Spirit and that you can receive revelation of things from, from the Holy Ghost. Amen? And I say this, First uh, Corinthians. Turn to First Corinthians real quick. We'll read it. We want to read this. First, once you take a look at this. First Corinthians chapter 2. Remember, we are talking about the blessing of the revelation. Jesus said that you are... And let's remember, let's keep it in this context. Jesus said, you're blessed. You are favored and fortunate, Peter, because flesh and blood's not revealed this to you. In other words, this is a paraphrase of it. Jesus is saying, Peter, you are fortunate and favored because you have discovered how to operate in something greater than just your soulish realm. Because you have, you have come to a point where you, can, you are beginning to receive spiritual revelation. That's why you're blessed and that's why you're favored. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses... Uh, I'm going to start with verse, uh, verse 6. I'm just going to read this real quickly. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Not the wisdom of this age. 
Why, why is he not speaking the wisdom of this age? Because all the wisdom of this age and talking about the wisdom of this world, everything that man comes up with is reasoning. And out of the soulish realm. Paul said, we're not, we're not speaking that. Amen? He said, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery and hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory. Now, that word mystery, I, I just feel like I need to tell you this. That word mystery, we usually think mystery means something that's unknown, that we can't know. So we go, oh, the Lord works in mysterious ways. You know, you hear preachers say, the Lord works in mysterious ways. The word that's translated mystery, it's not mystery like we understand it in our modern culture. If somebody says it's a mystery, what are they saying? Well, nobody knows what the answer is, right? You hear people use the word mystery all the time. Well, you know, just nobody knows why it did that. It's a mystery. Why did this explode? Why did that happen? Why did, well, it's just a Why did they do that? It's a mystery. Nobody's going to know. Okay? This word mystery... How many of y'all know, like, if there are fraternities or secret, associa- secret associations, you know, um, Masons. Let's just use the Masons for an example, okay? If somebody is a member of the Masons, they've got, and you're in the group, amen, and, and I don't recommend you being the Masons. If you want to know, talk to me, I'll tell you later, okay? But we're just using it for an example. You're in the, uh, the Masons, and everybody in the Masonic Lodge there's something that's common knowledge among the group of people that's in the group. But they have to swear they can't even tell their wives what they talk about in the lodge. That ought to give you a big red flag right there. Okay? But that's called a mystery. Not because it, it's, it's common knowledge to the people in the inn. You know what I mean? That are in the know. It's common knowledge to them, but people outside of it don't know about it. And so, that, you understand, Paul's saying, when he's saying, I speak the, myst- the, the wisdom of God in a mystery, it says, uh, the, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the, uh, before the ages of our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for if they had known it, would they, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So, see, what he's saying is, he's not saying, a lot. don't make the mistake of thinking when he's talking about the wisdom of God in a mystery that you can't get a hold of it, are you born again? Are you born of the Spirit? Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Are you learning to be led by the voice of God and to hear the Spirit and to walk in? Well, it's not a mystery to you. He said it's a mystery. It's, uh, it, it should be common knowledge to us as believers that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all men liberally. How is he going to do it? Through a revelation into your spirit. Amen? It's a mystery to those that are outside of the, if you, the fraternity, if you will, of the church. Okay? So it's not a mystery to us. Amen? Verse 9, But as it is written, eyes not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. And so many people, we've said this before, so many people read that and they stop. See, oh, it's not ears not heard, eyes not seen, nor has it entered into the hearts of man the things that God has prepared for them. Okay? Amen? I ain't making fun of anybody. That's the way it was when I grew up. Amen? And it helped get me to where I am today. Amen? But, they leave it there. They forget the but. But, what is that? That's called a conjunction. It means it's linking what was just said previously to what's coming next, a conjunction. But, God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. 
Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that God has that have been freely given to us by God. Amen. So you need to understand this, is that God will reveal things to us. And you understand reveal just means something used to be a mystery. Remember, I used that word mystery. Something used to be a mystery. Something used to be unknown to you. Something was concealed. If something is concealed, amen, if, if I have a concealed weapons permit and I can go to Walmart and I've got a, a handgun strapped on and it's under my shirt and it's concealed... Nobody can see that, right? Nobody sees it. But if there's a revelation, how many of you know, if there's, you take it from being a concealed weapon to wear it tucking a shirt in and you've got it strapped on, it's no longer concealed, it's been revealed. It's obvious to people. People can see And you can get people's attention doing that. It's completely legal, but you sure can't get a whole lot of attention, amen? People might not cut in line in, cut line in front of you when you're checking out if you've got a, <laughs> if you've got a handgun strapped on, right? But it's been revealed. There's a revelation of something. Something used to be hidden. Something used to be a mystery, an unknown fact to you. But it was revealed to you by the Spirit. So we're talking about a revelation of Christ, the Anointed One, and the blessing, the blessing of the revelation. Is that there is something that was previously withheld from you that you didn't know that you couldn't operate into, but by the Spirit of God you have learned and you've conditioned yourself by the Spirit to receive revelation of something, and there's a blessing to it. Amen? You understand this? First John 2, 20 and 27, uh, the Bible says that we, that we have an unction. The Bible says, let's just turn there real quickly. I'll turn there also. First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Now, don't get you, let your head get big and think you know it all. Literally, if you, if you study this out, it seems like I studied this out one time, and it says you have an anointing from the Holy One, and the implication is you can have access to knowledge of all things. Amen. You can have access. How many of you all know having access to the knowledge of all things is different than having the knowledge of all things? And that also is supported by Scripture if you, uh, over in first, James, James chapter 1. If you lack wisdom, ask God, right? And He'll give it to you. So actually, you have an anointing. And so you have to get a revelation of the fact, wait a minute, I have an anointing. The greater one's living in me. The Spirit of God, like we read over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that God reveals the deep things of God to us by His Spirit. And I'm going to just tell you this. You may as well understand this. I, I think we've mentioned this before. Is that a lot of times the Spirit will reveal things to you that is absolute, utter nonsense if you try to reason it in your mind. And we say this before. Go jump in the creek seven times. You got leprosy? Go jump in the creek seven times. Why seven? Why not five? Why not, why not eight? Why not go back to my home country and jump in the cleaner creeks than this old dirty Jordan River here? Well, you can go ahead and you can reason yourself right out of your healing, right? Reason, you know, the Spirit might say, it's a time of famine, sow your seed. Sow some extra, release something, sow that, and believe me for increase. But you can talk yourself right out of it. Man, God, I got this, this, and this coming up, and I just don't know where it's going to come from. And, blah, you know, and I, can't, you know, I can't do that. And you, re and, you re and you use your reasoning and you talk yourself right out of it and you can miss a blessing 
Because God, we believe God uses seed time and harvest, and we believe that you can reap, you can sow, and you can reap. And God might be wanting you to just, look, is your, is your seed enough for you to live on? Is that seed, now don't get me, don't get me wrong, because there have been a lot of ministers that I take exception to that have used these type of, this type of biblical truth. They've taken the biblical truth and they went overboard to manipulate people and to try to put pressure on them mentally to give. I'm not talking about that. Now, this is the thing. We ought to just give our tithes and offerings just because the the Word tells us that's the thing to do. Special giving beyond that. Be led by the Holy Ghost. Don't let yourself get caught in some meeting and some minister just trying to work you over for a good offering, manipulate you into writing out a bigger check than what you want than what you can afford to. Now, I'm not saying God can't bless you in that. God, I've been in those situations before. I'll admit it, where I've been in those situations before and, and felt a little squeezed to do it and went ahead and wrote a check and shorted myself a little bit and God was always faithful and God always brought us out because He saw the motive of our heart was pure. But I'm talking about a time when the Holy Spirit is pressing you to sow something and to release it because God might know if I can get you to sow that and operate in spiritual principles and if we're going to talk, we'll get this. If I can get you to walk in that, get you to do it, that'll put you some seed in the ground. And, it's all, and this is the thing, seed always produces more than what you sowed. No farmer sows seed expecting to break even, right? You don't stay a farmer very long if you do that, do you? Amen? But John... It says, says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things or you have access to knowledge of all things. Why? Because of the anointing that is there in you. Verse 27 says, but the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you and you do not have need that anyone teach you, but the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. Now, like we said, don't make the mistake of thinking, well, I don't need a teacher. The Bible don't contradict itself. Well, I don't need to go to church. I don't need a pastor because I have an anointing and he teaches me all things. He's going he's to work through ministry gifts too, right? Because let's just be honest, most of you all don't have the time to spend in the Word that I do, right? Most of you all don't have, have the time to spend the same amount of time in the Word that your pastor does, right? I mean, because you're out working, you, know, you at least got 8 or 10 hours of your day or 8 or 12 or 14, you know, you've got a, a huge chunk of your day taken up for. Now, that doesn't mean you don't get in the Word yourself, and it doesn't mean you don't pray yourself. But don't make the mistake, don't, just, just don't make the mistake of thinking, well, I don't need to, you know, a lot of people have got off in there and think, well, I don't need a pastor because it says I don't have any need that any man teach me. It, the Bible does not contradict itself. God placed the ministry gift of teachers in the body. You do need a teacher. Don't be a moron. <laughs> is, that, is that plain sweet made? Don't be a moron. You need a teacher. Because Christ gave gifts to the church. People needed the ministry gifts in the church. Amen? <clears throat> but you understand this. God can reveal, will reveal His mind and His will to you through the Spirit. This is part of the blessing of, of, getting, of, of having, receiving revelation from God. Is, is that Number one, He can reveal it directly to you by His Spirit. And I've mentioned this already. That's His preferred way of doing it. He'd just as soon just speak it to you directly. But if, if you can't get it, and sometimes he'll speak it to you and he'll confirm it through gifts of the Spirit. Because, you know, we said over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11, it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And I believe uh, three of those Brother Hagin used to refer to as, as revelation gifts. That they were gifts that specifically revealed something to someone, right? And so... God can use that to reveal things to you, okay? So understand this, there's a blessedness, there's a favor and a benefit that comes when we learn to walk by the Spirit, 
to be led by the Spirit, to hear the voice of the Spirit. Man, godliness is profitable in all things. I heard someone share a story one time of a guy that, that lived back in the Great Depression era when everybody lost their fortunes in the stock market, and this guy was an investor. And he'd go, he had a prayer closet at his house, a prayer room at his house, and he'd go and he'd pray for hours every day, three, four hours a day. He'd go pray in tongues, and then he'd come out and he'd go make his business investments in the stock market. He said when the, his testimony was when the stock market crashed, he never lost a dime because the Holy Spirit revealed to him what stocks to be invested in, which ones to stay away from, and, and which ones to sell off and get his money out and put someplace else. Godliness is profitable. Learning to be, there's a blessedness that is associated with being able to be led by the Spirit and walk by revelation. Amen? All right, well, understand this. Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay? Jesus called uh, Peter a rock or a boulder. All right, a lot of some some religious traditions have got off and said that Peter was the rock that Jesus built the church on. Peter, listen to me. Peter was not the rock that the church was built on. I can't make it any clearer than that. The word when when Jesus said, "You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church." You know, the word Peter actually means Petros, and Petros does mean a rock or a boulder, but it's not the same word as rock. Well, you understand that the Lord Jesus Christ did not found the church on a man. He did not found it on a man. Because what do you do when Peter dies? Well, the whole foundation for the church just crumbled. No. What's he talking about? You've got to read it in its context. What did Jesus just tell? Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And this is the paraphrase that I gave you. You're blessed because you have crossed over from just operating out of the soulless realm, but you're learning how to be led by the Spirit and receive revelation of the things of God by the Spirit. Peter, you're blessed. And upon that rock, I will build my church. The rock is revelation knowledge of who Christ is, who Jesus was. I, I said this, me and Pastor Cheyenne were talking about this yesterday. There's the, the general, the, the general uh, foundation and then the specific one. In general, blessed are you, favored and benefited are you, Simon, because flesh and blood, you didn't come to this conclusion in the reasoning of your mind, but it's been revealed to you by my Father through the Spirit. This is paraphrasing. He said... And I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, the rock of revelation knowledge, I shall build my church. Now, that's the general, revelation knowledge in general. Things being revealed by the Spirit to you in general. Now, remember this, the Spirit and the Word always line up. Don't tell me you've got some spiritual revelation that contradicts what the Word says. That was last night's dinner talking to you when you went to bed. Or it might be even be a satanic deception trying to get you off in error that will shipwreck your life and mislead many. Have there been people that done it? Oh, yeah. There's one dude that says an angel gave him, what, seven golden plates, Dave? Is that what it is? Angel gave me seven golden plates with scriptures inscribed uh, on it. Now I'm going to start my own thing and I'm going to write this additional uh, book, this other gospel. What did Paul say? Paul said, if anyone comes to you preaching any other gospel other than Jesus Christ and what I preach, let him be accursed. That's pretty strong language, ain't it? Let him be cursed. 
You understand that when you get a spiritual revelation, it always lines up with the Word. Always. Always. God does, God, you understand? Because the Word expresses the character of God and don't think that the Spirit's going to give you something that contradicts what the Word says. It doesn't. Okay? The Spirit will not contradict it. But you understand this, that the rock that the church is built on is specific, is in general revelation knowledge of the will of God. That is the rock. Specifically, a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. That is the bedrock. That is the bedrock foundation that the church, the ecclesia, is built on. It's having a revelation of, of who Jesus is. Now understand this. It says, Jesus said, Upon this rock of revelation knowledge of who Jesus is, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Understand this, failure to receive a spiritual revelation makes you vulnerable to defeat of the enemy. He said, if he, so this is, because this is what Jesus said. Jesus is saying, upon this rock, upon revelation uh, knowledge of what the Spirit of God is saying, I'll build my church and the gates of hell, let's just say this way, is that the enemy will not prevail over the church that's built on the knowledge of revelation knowledge. Amen? So the implication is, is if you try to live your life on anything other than the spiritual revelation of who Christ is, any area you do that, you are vulnerable to defeat by the enemy. Amen? Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4 real quick. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's concentrate on the last part of that. I'll, I'll just read verse 17 again. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk in the, as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. Listen to this. Having their understandings darkened and being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness that's in their heart. In other words, if you're blind, you don't have revelation, right? And it says that they're cut off from the life of God because of their ignorance and, and the blindness of their heart. In other words, they don't have revelation. In other words, they live defeated and they live in bondage to things because they're not operating in the revelation knowledge of Christ. They don't operate in it, and so therefore they don't walk in victory over it. Amen? Praise God. Let's see. Do you know this? The Bible says in Hosea 4, 6, God said, My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no uh, prophetic revelation, the people perish. Bible says, one translation is where there is no vision, the people perish. There's another translation that says where there is no prophetic revelation, the people perish. Okay? So listen, Jesus said, is it possible for someone to be born again, spirit-filled, and walk in defeat in areas of their life? Yes. Why does that happen? Because of the ignorance, because of their ignorance and the blindness of their heart, because they have not received a revelation knowledge of Christ in that particular area of their life. And what's the result? You're destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. You're destroyed because of a lack of revelation. People that are believers, that God has spoken His word and He said, you know, I shall supply all your needs according to my riches and glory, but they haven't got a revelation fact they don't have a revelation back up they don't have the revelation of how they operate that in their finances amen but let's just if it, turn back to ephesians chapter one we're going to look at this again we've prayed this you cannot underestimate the significance of this prayer i want us to get to see some how many of y'all been saying your ephesians prayer 
How many of you been opening up your Bibles and praying every day? Lord, I thank you that you give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Amen? Glory to God. Check this out. Ephesians 1, starting with verse 17, Paul said, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. I'm just going to stop right there. Understand this, Paul is praying and asking God to give us more of the rock upon which he built his church. That is literally what he's asking for. Because remember, if the rock that the church is built on is revelation knowledge of Jesus Christ, Paul just said here, he prayed that God would give the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Paul is praying that God gives us more of the rock which will result in a greater measure of victory over the gates of hell. Because as you pray this, he's because if the rock, if the rock, the the rock and being built on the rock is a prerequisite to success over the schemes of the devil. Being built on the rock is the prerequisite. You cannot have victory over the devil. You cannot have victory over the, the plans and the schemes of the enemy if you do not have the, if you're not built on the revelation knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. And so this Ephesians prayer, when we're praying, we're praying, God, give me more of the rock. How many of you remember those old prudential commercials? Get a piece of the rock. Amen? Some of us, we need God. We pray, God, give me a piece of the rock. Give me a bigger piece of the rock. God, enlarge my territory. Because I, I don't know about you, but the devil give me enough grief in my life that I want to just make him eat it just as bad as I can, as long as I can, so that, and then when I go on to receive my reward, I, mean, I just want to make him stuff it because I don't know about you, but he's given me some grief in my life. And I'd like for God to continue to give me revelation knowledge because you understand this, the gates of hell, that gate, gates are put on the walls and they're defensive, Right? Gates are met are meant to either keep people in or to keep people out. It depends on which side of the fence you're on, right? So you understand this that there are things that when Jesus help me, Lord. There are things that Jesus, like I said, we're going back to first uh, John, when we read that over in John, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. And I said it, it's could be better translated, you have access to the knowledge of all things. Jesus Christ, what He did on the cross, gave us access, made, made access available to us for lots of things. Remember, God created man and placed him on the earth and told man, He said, I'm giving you dominion over the earth. I'm giving you, you are to have dominion, you are to have rule, and Jesus Christ came back to establish that. Understand? Jesus came to establish But you understand that the blessings of God, the thing that does the Bible tell us to fight the good fight of faith? First Timothy chapter six, fight the good fight of faith. Right? Lay hold of the promises of God. You're gonna to have to put forth effort. Jesus, because you understand this, something the people, a lot of people don't like to hear this. A lot of people, case sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. Because if you start te- if you start teaching like this and you start embracing this type of teaching, then it puts some responsibility on you. And God knows we are, we are a culture of don't give me any responsibility. Oh, I don't want it. 
Anything happened? If, if, I'm a, if I am a complete moron, and if you're related to this lady, just let it slide. Okay? If I'm a complete moron and I order a cup of coffee from McDonald's that's scalding hot and I put it between my legs and try to drive off and the styrofoam cup, if you can imagine a lid coming off a styrofoam, who would have thought that a lid would have come off a styrofoam cup? And you pour scalding hot coffee in your groin area and burn yourself up that you could sue McDonald's. It's not my fault. Don't look at me like I'm a complete moron for putting a cup of scalding hot coffee between my legs. It's McDonald's fault for making hot coffee. We don't want to be taught that there are things that you are responsible for, do we? Because the same person would have been griping about the coffee if it was cold. So lukewarm coffee it ain't fit to drink. I ought to take it back and cuss the manager. Personal responsibility. Jesus is saying, I have given you the availability of access to these things. Now, how much of it you walk in? How much are you willing to do? Oh, some people say, I don't believe it, Pastor. I do not believe it. Glory to God, where's that? Help me find this, Lord. I'm going to read you something. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Let's go ahead and put that on screen. Matthew eleven twelve. We're going to show you some stuff. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, how many of y'all heard that scripture before? Raise your hand if you've heard that scripture before. Have you ever wondered, my God, what's that mean? You know, i got to get a machine gun and dress up like a Rambo and storm the gates of hell? Yep, yeah, in the spirit, maybe you might have to. Spiritually, I studied this out last night. Listen to this. This is, this is looking uh, in the Greek dictionary. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. That phrase, suffers violence, it, li- it literally translates, is seized by force. The kingdom of heaven is seized by force. I'm, I'm going to read it to you this way one more time. I'm going to read you what expounding the, those words and look at those words it means. That from the, day, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Can trans, translates, the kingdom of heaven is seized by force and the forcer or the energetic take it by seizing. Now let's, go back to, let's go back to Matthew chapter 16 real quick. I know I'm jumping back forth with you all. I have to turn on. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus told Peter, He said, I say to you, you're Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus told Peter, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Right? I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. So Jesus, all this time, Jesus is saying, you're blessed, and this is bringing it right up down, right down the line. He's talking about you're benefited and you're, you are favored and fortunate because you're learning how to get things through spiritual revelation, and that, and the and the rock of spiritual revelation, the foundation of spiritual revelation of who I am, who Christ is, is the foundation upon which the church will be built, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom. That's the reason, because you understand that the revelation itself is not the blessing. The, the, the favor and the being fortunate, just getting the revelation 
is not the blessing. It's the means the blessing flows to you. The blessing is, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Because this is the thing. The kingdom of, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The kingdom of heaven is seized by force and the force, forcer or the energetic take it by seizing. Jesus is saying, you are favored and you are favored and fortunate because you've learned how to get out of the soulless realm and to walk in the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit. And on the foundation of that revelation knowledge, I'm going to give you the power to seize the kingdom of heaven because you're the inner, you are, I like that, you are the forcer and the energetic. So this is the thing. If you're not willing to be a forcer and to be spiritually energetic, you're not going to seize or obtain the kingdom of heaven because that's exactly how it is seized. Getting back here to Matthew, he said, he said that I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, if we say this before, why are some people born again and they love Jesus? but they don't walk in certain blessings, have they obtained the keys? I love this. I wanted to use this example. I wanted to get one. How many of you have seen those key boxes? You've worked someplace where they had a key box on the wall. And you closed up as a metal box mounted on the wall or just a metal box maybe they kept in the desk and it had one keyhole on the front of it. And that key locked it. And if you get that one key, if you needed, and only certain people got the key to that box. You know, you probably didn't let the 15-year-old kid that was working there part-time two days a week get the key to the box. If he needed, if he needed something in the box, he usually went to a manager, and a manager opened the box and handed the key, right? But you understand this. Jesus said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. The blessedness is learning to walk by the Spirit and being... Uh, receiving revelation knowledge. And understand this is that, let's just talk about a key first. This is one of those words I was telling you, you we think we know the word because we, what it means because we use it in, in its context. This is good. Amen? A key. A key is something that affords a means of access. You get that? A key is something that affords a means of access, something that secures or controls entrance to a place. Keys control who or what can go in and out of something. Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. I'm going to give you the things that grant access to things in the kingdom or things that's going to restrict the entrance of things. How many of you all know there's some things it's good for you to get into? And then there's other things you need to lock out. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you the things, I'm giving you access to the things that's going to control the access. huh? Access into the kingdom, access into your life. Things coming from you binding it on earth and God in heaven saying that's bound or you loosing things on the earth and God saying that it's loosed. I release that. Because you understand this. It don't all just come. You know, Brother Hagin, you say, the blessings of God don't fall on your head like ripe cherries falling off a tree. 
Because you understand, the kingdom of heaven is seized by force and the forcer or the energetic sees it. The kingdom of heaven, God's government. The way and you understand this, government, kingdom means government, and government means the way things are administered, the way things are done. How many of y'all ever done anything with the government, looking for a government grant or looking for any type of government benefit to use? And you know, if you don't follow protocol, you ain't getting none of it, right? You can be eligible to receive a Pell grant to go to school. But if you do not go through the appropriate protocol and do it the right way, you ain't going to get none. But I'm eligible. Give me my money. You can, you can stand at the window and thump your fist and scream till you're blue in the face or red in the face or whatever color you want to be in the face. And they're going to go, thank you, have a nice day. Next. Because you're not going to get anything even though you are eligible to receive it. And you have a legal right to it until you go through the appropriate protocol, you will not obtain it. And so Jesus is saying, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Now let's think back to the example of the key box. You know, one little keyhole on the opening of it. And you take that one key and you open it up, and you, un you unlock it and you open the box, and there might be dozens of keys hanging in that box. Okay? Get a hold of this. You realize that a revelation... Now remember I said this earlier. The revelation of Jesus... The church is built upon revelation knowledge in general. Revelation knowledge. Specifically in this passage we're talking about revelation knowledge of who Jesus is, who the Christ is. Okay? Understand this. Revelation knowledge of Jesus as the Christ, the Anointed One, the Son of the Living God, that is the key that is used to open the box to get access to the keys of the kingdom. Can you see that image in your mind? Can you say, you have to, what am I saying? I'm going to give you some examples. You cannot even begin to get a revelation of Jesus the Healer until you get a revelation of Him as Lord and Savior. Because this is the thing, if you don't reckon, if you don't have the key that he is that he's the son of the living God, the anointed one, the son of the living God, to open the box, you're not going to get into the box to get the key to to obtain healing, because the key to healing is getting a revel is revelation knowledge of the fact that Christ is the healer. And you can't even get access to that if you don't have you can't have access to that key of the kingdom, because remember a key is something that grants access. You cannot even get what it takes to obtain access to healing if you don't first get the revelation knowledge of Jesus the Christ. Amen? I'll go on. You, cannot, you can't begin to get a revelation of having your needs met according to your Father's riches and glory by Christ Jesus until you get a revelation of Jesus as Christ. Because there's a key in the box to the kingdom of walking in God's provision... But you can't get access to it if you don't have a revelation of a revelation of Jesus is the Christ, the Anointed One, the Lord, the Supreme Authority. If you don't have that key, you don't even have access to that. There's no chance that you're going to get to it because you've not gained that access yet. It's the access has been restricted. Amen. You can't. Get a revelation of the Lord God of our righteousness and that you are the righteousness of God in Christ if you don't first have a revelation of Jesus is the Christ. 
And you could go on and on and on and everything in the Bible that you have to have a key, you have to have something that grants access to it. You cannot get that. You cannot obtain that and even have an opportunity to, to access that key, to access the blessing if you don't first have the revelation knowledge that Jesus is the Christ, the Anointed One. Amen? Glory to God. Man, I could preach for another hour, but I'm not going to. Praise God. I'm going to give you some scriptures real quick and we're going to move through this. Man, glory to God. Remember, the kingdom of heaven is seized what I say, the kingdom of heaven is seized by force, and the forcer or the energetic take it by seizing. What you need to get from that is, is you cannot be spiritually lazy and obtain the things of the kingdom. I'm going to say that again. You cannot be spiritually lazy and obtain the things of the kingdom. Going back to the example of applying for a Pell Grant. You can't be so lazy you won't fill out paperwork and then go ahead and cut you a check. It ain't going to happen, baby ain't going to happen. And if the government of the United States of America is such a stickler for you're going to do it the right way and observe the right protocol, do you honestly think for one minute that God's going to be any sloppier? Don't be just hearers of the Word and being deceived, but be ye doers of the Word, right? The kingdom of heaven is seized by force and the energetic take it by seizing. Amen? Luke chapter 11... Getting back to a revelation of Christ, I'm going to give these to you and we're going to move. Luke 11, 17 through 23, Jesus tells a story about uh, that someone can't uh, enter a strong man's house. Matt, the, the, the account in Matthew, Luke 11, 17 through 23, and Matthew 12, 29, they tell a similar story. Jesus you know, says that the strong man is overpowered and plundered. No one can go into a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first overtake the, the strong man and then you can plunder his goods. In other words, you try to break in somebody's house, and they come at you with a ball bat, you ain't going to be taking none of their stuff till you whoop them. Right? Now, we ain't, talk, I ain't, we ain't talking about breaking in someone's house here. Jesus said, you know, he said, you must first bind the strong man. You've got to overpower him. Well, I thought Jesus whooped the devil. Jesus did whoop the devil. And his victory over Satan gave you access to walking in his victory. Okay? You understand this, is that we were talking, remember we said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How many of y'all know that the Bible says that Satan is the God with a little g of this earth, of this world? How many of y'all know that Satan, just because you got born again, doesn't mean, how many of y'all have been saved long enough that you realize that just when you got saved, the devil didn't go, oh my God, they got saved. Well, there goes the party. See y'all later. And he just rolled over and stopped bothering you. That didn't happen, did it? If that happened to you, let me know because I want you to rub off some of that on me, okay? I guarantee you it didn't happen, okay? But you understand that there are things that Jesus said, look, I have whooped him. And that is yours and you need to just step up and get it. That's part, that's part of your inheritance. What the, if going back to the Ephesians prayer, glory to God, that you, might, that you might have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that you might know what is the, the inheritance of the saints. So what says that we, could, that we should know what our inheritance is? So this is the thing. Jesus is saying, I have already whooped Him. 
I have defeated him. I have stripped him of his power. You are not in his kingdom anymore. You're in mine. Now take the keys that I've made available to you and make him eat it and stuff it down his throat and go get what I have made available to you. Do it. Break. Jesus bound the strong man. You understand this, okay? And, and it's like I said, we mentioned this already, First Timothy 6.12 Fight the good fight of faith. You are going to have to do some things. You have to take the key out of the box. You have to stick it into the lock. You have to have wisdom to know what is the appropriate key to access what you need that is your inheritance in the kingdom and get that key and operate in it. And don't think, well, I did it once and it didn't work. I tried that tithing one time and it didn't work. Give me a break. You didn't even begin to try if you did it once. Glory to God. You're just glad God don't ask for back payment. Right? Ain't you? I was so glad when I, when I started hearing the teaching on tithing and giving and honoring God with my finances and that God around me. I was just so relieved. Glory to God. There's no penalties or back fees. Lord, I can just start now. Woo! Thank you, Lord. And I can get in on the blessing. Amen? You find out what it is. Understand this. The purpose Jesus came, well, he was, John, 1 John 3 says, He was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came and God made everything available to us to him. Remember, and we're going to, this is this is wrapping this up. Peter, we're talking about the blessing of the revelation. Peter, you are blessed. Peter, you have favor and and you you have favor and you are fortunate because you have learned not to just operate out of your soulless realm and out of your mind out of the, and I'm this is an amalgamation. This is a mixed paraphrase of everything I've been talking about. Peter, you are blessed. You are fortunate and you are favored because you have learned not to walk just in the inutility of your mind like other Gentiles do, but you've learned how to walk in revelation knowledge that God gives you through His Spirit. And because you have learned how to do that, the fact that you have learned revelation knowledge and you've realized there's a, there's a much bigger way to live than just out of your mind, you're Peter, and upon the rock of revelation knowledge of who Christ is and what he's, and the keys that he's made available to you of the kingdom, you are blessed, and, 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 I will, and, and upon that rock of revelation knowledge, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. The devil, the schemes, the plots of the enemy to withhold what is your rightful inheritance will not be withheld because you've learned how to walk in the Spirit, and you've learned how you've learned the key that access to the to the uh, that gives you access to the keys of the kingdom. You have learned that I am Jesus. I am the Christ. I am the Anointed One. I am your Savior. But I'm more than that. When you accept me as Lord, you become a child of God. You become my brother. And I'm not ashamed to stand before God and proclaim, "This is my brother." And then you've placed yourself in a position to learn how to use the keys to access what's yours. And because you are, will be someone that realizes that the kingdom of God and the inheritance of the saints is obtained by seizing, you will be an energetic forcer that will seize the blessings of the kingdom of heaven because you're operating in revelation knowledge. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. How many of you are glad that God's made that available to you? Amen. How many of you are glad that the Bible says that it is Christ in you, the hope of glory? Hallelujah. Let's pray.